Father, we ask for your blessing upon what is remaining here. And we, you pray that you would, uh, we pray that you would give us attentiveness to the signs of the times or to be alert concerning those things which are coming to pass, that we would not just simply set them to the side and be concerned about the here and now and today, but may it have an effect on us where we make changes, Lord, whether in the way we communicate with others and what we tell them or how we live our lives, knowing that how we live may influence others into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, on your outline, I have a lot for your outline. And what I wanted to do is pose the question, what are we looking for concerning the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ? Because Christ told us to be watchful. Uh, He said in 1 Corinthians, or Paul did, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, and that is in your introduction, be on your guard, or that be on your guard means be awake or watch. Stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, and be strong. Now that can also be women of courage as well. It's just he was addressing it to the elders in Corinth. Uh, Also, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And the Bible expositor G. Campbell Morgan, he wrote this, I never lay my head on a pillow without thinking that perhaps before I wake, the final morning may have dawned. I never begin my work without thinking that he may interrupt it to begin his own. And every night before we go to sleep, we ought to say, he may come tonight. Every day when we get out our tools and go to work, this may be the last day's work I'll do. And so he, is, he was forever mindful about the idea that Jesus Christ should come back or would come back. So now what do we know to watch for and what is it that we should be observant of? What should we be Uh, paying attention to the things that are out there. And I listed for you seven things. Now, I could have listed 25, but I just chose these seven things uh, to help guide you in knowing that God has a plan. He has fulfilled some of it already, and there are things to look forward to that would be signs for us. Now, on May 14, 1948, the nation of Israel once again became a sovereign nation. If you go all the way back to the Babylonian captivity, now for those of you who were in the Bible study, who was king over Babylon that attacked Israel and took them to captivity? Say it nice and loud. Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. He is the one that ransacked the Jews. He hit them once or twice, and finally he said, that's it, you guys are done. And then he brought a lot of them back to uh, Babylon. Well, it was prophesied that they would come back into the land after 70 years. And God wrote about this through the prophet Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was a contemporary of Daniel. He came a little bit later. And he was writing about the events that would take place. Now, on this, I want to actually have you follow me as I read the scripture here. This would be Ezekiel chapter 36. If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring one, just reach for one in front of the, uh, the, or in back of the chairs that are there and turn it open to Ezekiel chapter 36. And I want to make sure we make a distinction here. 
on what took place and when they were supposed to come into the land once again and be a sovereign nation. And so when they were in Babylon, here is Ezekiel, and he's writing down, and he has several things to say or several things that God wants to say that Ezekiel is being used to write down. In verse 1 it says, Son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, The enemy said of you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Because they ravaged and hounded you from every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the sovereign Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, to the desolate ruins, and the deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. In my burning zeal I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, for with glee and with malice in their hearts they made my land their possession, their own possession, so that they may plunder its pasture lands. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I speak in my jealous wrath because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Do you notice he's getting a point across? This is what the Sovereign Lord says. He, he's saying it so often because he's going to bring it to pass to establish who he is, that he's going to make it happen. I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you, O mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown, and I will multiply the number of people upon you, even the whole house of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. So here God is talking and he's saying, I'm going to bring you out of captivity and I'm going to establish you back in the land and these cities are going to be rebuilt. Verse 11 says, I will increase the number of men and animals upon you and they will be fruitful and become numerous. I will settle people on you as in the past and will make you prosper more than before then you will know that i am the lord i will cause people my people israel to walk upon you they will possess you and you will be their inheritance you will never again deprive them of their children this is what the sovereign lord says because people say to you you devour men and deprive your nation of its children therefore you will no longer devour men or make your nation childless declares the sovereign lord now, verse 15 is something to be noted here. No longer will I make you hear the taunts of the nations, and no longer will you suffer scorn of the peoples or cause your nation to fall, declares the sovereign Lord. Now, this has not yet been fulfilled, and I wanted to point this out. Right now, is Israel being taunted? Absolutely. But here is a declarative statement by God that's saying it will never happen again. So we know that God just skipped, kind of like a record, a, a, remember an LP? If you knocked it, sometimes the needle would go across and then it would start playing again. That's what God just did here. He shifts. Of course, the people wouldn't have known it at the time, neither would have Ezekiel. But this shifts. He's going way to our future instead of just the future of Israel right here because he makes it a point to say you will not be taunted anymore 
Uh, verse 16 says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it was said of them, These are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, This is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned. Among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into the land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will clean you from all your impurities and from the, all your idols and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. This is again something that is in the future here and you need to take note. He's going back and forth when these prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And you will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make you, or excuse me, make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer, suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. Verse 32. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake. Hold on. Yeah. For your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord, be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from your sins, I will resettle your towns and ruins will be built and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it and will say, they will say, this land was laid waste because, or has become like the Garden of Eden and the cities that were lying in ruins desolate and destroyed are now fortified and inhabited. The nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks of offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed feast. So so will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people, and they will know that I am the Lord. So God, over and over and over, says, I, the Sovereign Lord, says... Declarative statements, one after the other, he's going to bring it to pass. And who was the cupbearer that instituted this rebuilding? That's correct. Did you say that, Mariah? Nehemiah. That is correct. The Lord's cupbearer. Now, with this, you go, okay, that's the fulfillment, both during the captivity in Babylon and also in our future. It is taking place, we don't know how far, 
into the future. It's simply in our future. Now, the next chapter, and the reason I wanted to read through this chapter was to make a distinction between chapter 36 and chapter 37. Remember that song, Dem Bones? It comes from chapter 37. The guy who wrote this, his name was James Weldon Johnson. He lived from 1871 to 1938. And some also credit uh, this song to J. Rosamond Johnson, his brother. He was an Afro-American author and songwriter. And so when he read this, he goes, I got to come up with a song. It's a nice little uh, gospel folk song that he came up with. Chapter 37 reads, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Now, the difference between... Chapter 36 and chapter 37. Chapter 36, they came into the land, but they were not a sovereign nation. Now, all the verses leading up to verse 22 talks about bringing back together the divided nation of Israel and making them as one. And that has happened, and it began in May 14th, 1948. They are indeed a sovereign nation, and he declares that in verse 22. He says, I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. So to the north, you had the nation of Israel, and to the south, you had the land of Judah, and it split after King Solomon died. Jeroboam went to the north, Rehoboam was in the south, and they had conflict with one another. And God designed that it would be so. And to the north, the kingdom to the north fell into idolatry. Right away, there was never a righteous king that uh, was in existence in the nation of Israel to the north and to the south. I think there were only two kings that he said they gave their heart fully to the work of the Lord. So uh, God has brought them back. Now, the reason I say this also as a nation, and he will rule over them, that is also in our future. The reason I bring up these two different chapters is if you go to certain commentaries, they will say chapter 37 does not apply to the Israelites in the nation of Palestine today. And it does. 
The person was allowing his theology to dictate his comments. He was not looking to see that there are details in here that point to the future, our future, and not just to the future where they became one nation. They were never a sovereign nation when they came back from Babylon. They were always ruled over by others. Even when Jesus was there, they were not a sovereign nation. They couldn't even kill Jesus being a sovereign nation. That's one of the things of sovereignty. You can kill your own citizens. Well, they couldn't under the Roman rule when Jesus was there. And so now they are sovereign, and the Lord says, I will rule over them. So we know that this nation of Israel that is established today will be established forever. It will last forever. Now, what I mean when I say forever is they'll be in the land until the earth is destroyed after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. But the nation of Israel, we are all Israel, those of us who are saved, are going to be ruled over by Christ and live in the heavenly Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven. So... Israel will not be destroyed. Israel will continue forever. So that is the first thing you want to keep in mind. This has already taken place. Israel has become a nation. It was prophesied to do so. And you can stand on that. And that's why we actually hold to the teachings of the Bible. It's because they're prophetic. Secondly, there will be an increase of wickedness and a lack of love for fellow human beings. Now, we've had this verse. We got it last week. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And this is where you start looking at current events. Would you say that there's an increase of wickedness on our planet? Well, there are more people. And so there is more wickedness because there are more people. Now, there could have been just as many people at the time of Noah, but what did God do to them? destroyed them and so if we get to that same number or close to it i think god's going to do the same thing he's going to come back and he's just going to wipe out the wickedness because it's just going to take over everything now would you say also that the love of most is growing cold but we haven't quite gotten there yet i mean if you look at the middle east do you think that there's a love for the fellow human being in the middle east in the 1040 window there's not even amongst muslims do you think that there are is a lot of love between the Sunnis and the Shia uh, sects of Islam. No, there's not. And the killing is rampant. Look, go down to Colombia. It's down in Colombia, the murders that are taking place. I, I wrote down several statistics here. Actually, I, I have the websites. I could give them to you. But in August 2015, there was an article in the New York Times, murder on the increase in the United States. For a decade, it had been going down. And now it's on the increase again. Also, according to the Congressional Research Service, the murder rate rising sharply in many U.S. cities. The Times reported that at least 35 cities had seen an increase in violent crime compared to 2014, but the story significantly highlighted increases in reported homicides in 10 cities. Now, this is in 2015. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin... What do you think the percentage of increase in homicides was? Give me a percent. 76%. In St. Louis, 60% increase. In Baltimore, Maryland, 56% increase. In Washington, D.C., 44% increase. So it, it is just skyrocketing in our country, where for a decade before 2015, the homicide rate was going down. <clears throat> now, what about abortions? 
Do you think abortions are increasing or decreasing? You know what? If you look this up, it is ruled by politics. Now, do you guys know the arm of Planned Parenthood that does the investigation and and record-keeping of the statistics? Do you know what they're called? They're called the Gutmucker Institute. And they keep track of all the information, how many abortions, how many women come in there for birth control, and they keep track of all the numbers. The research that I was doing, I cannot find research after 2008. And they say before that, the rates of abortion are going down. But then I found some other articles. If a girl who is a teen gets pregnant in China, out of all the girls that get pregnant in China, 91% of them have an abortion. 91% of all teenage girls that get pregnant have an abortion. That's an incredible amount. Russia is also on the rise. It's uh, listed in Wikipedia. You can look abortion in Russia, and it's increasing. They're actually trying to pass laws to bring it in, to curb it in. There are certain countries where uh, abortion is still illegal, like, for instance, uh, the Philippines. It's still illegal to get an abortion over there in certain Uh, countries over in the Far East, it's still illegal. But if you do some individual searches, right, like this, and also the WHO, um, World Health Organization, you would think that they would keep good statistics. They just grab them from the Gutmucker Institute and they put them on their own website and it only goes to 2008. You know, that is, what, seven years ago. And so with the other information that I uh, was able to glean, from the internet, it is clear that it is going up. The population is higher. It's high in China. It's high in Russia. And the United States, is it going up? The promiscuity is going up. And even though that there is birth control, do you think that there is going to be an increase in abortions? Yes, there's, the population is huge. It went from the sexual revolution into the 70s to hooking up uh, to, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, Netflix and chill. You guys haven't heard that? <laughs> Millennials are using that. Uh, to say you're going to watch Netflix and chill means you're coming over for a movie and sex. That's what it means. And so, yeah, I, I want to keep you guys up on that in case... Uh, and I actually saw it on a television program. They mentioned that, uh, that particular phrase. But that's what's going on. Violent crime also is increasing, according to Vox.com. Um, Increases in sin, and also Newsmax.com. It talked about the increase in violent crimes uh, in the United States, the increase in sexual sin and homosexuality. You know the um, uh, the lying uh, and the embellishment and the corruption that has always been part of mainstream America. It, it is just becoming more and more out front. For instance, I'm going to tell you about this. It, it is almost acceptable now for those in positions of leadership, and I don't know if you've noticed it in this uh, presidential election cycle, but the lies, it's almost like they're being put on with peanut butter. I mean, they're so thick, the ones that are out there. I remember watching uh, some of the debates. I've seen almost all of the debates in their entirety or listened to them, and I can remember watching one particular debate where one candidate was accused of doing at least two things. And the person 
turned to the camera and said, that is an absolute lie. I took out my smartphone. I looked it up to see if it was true because one of the two candidates would have been lying and the guy who said it's an absolute lie was telling lies, huge lies. And he was on the Republican side. And my jaw just dropped. I read it to Patty as she was sitting there and we're both going, it's a total lie. And I've caught more than just two. You know, if people just do the research and then there's the um, embellishments like accusing candidates of lying. When you go back and you actually do the research, was it actually a lie? And it wasn't. And so these embellishments are out there. I mean, it's just getting down and dirty and politics has always been that way. If you go back to the Lincoln-Douglas debates, it, it was rough and tumble. It really was. But at the level that people are sinking to now where it becomes acceptable we have this desire to just see our side win and forget at what cost and what is that going to do to the nature of the country it's going to be bad uh, if we continue down that particular road so the lying the prevarications the embellishments the sexual sin the homosexuality it's becoming acceptable all around the globe also drug use is drug use going up yes it is it, it is just accelerating uh, the drug use which is out there and there are some drugs out there now which cause and I've talked about this for the flesh to just fall away from the bone it, it is just, yeah there are some drugs out there now there's a place in Russia this city that these drug abusers go to and there and I forget the name of the um, uh, drug it's like a f- crocodile yeah that's it if you've seen the pictures of that it is absolutely horrendous they shoot it up and they get high, and it causes the flesh in the arm to just fall off. And you'll, you'll see bones. Uh, and, you know, they'll hold the pictures up in the legs, and they have to amputate these things. It is just horrible. And, and it is just increasing, too. And marijuana is becoming, you know, the mainstay out there for our country and other countries. Also... Um, one of the indicators that there is a moral decline in our country is the demise of marriage. In 1950, there were only 6% of couples living together. Millennials now, it's as high as 41% are living together. And so there is no marriage. It's like, yeah, we'll get around to it, whatever. And we all know somebody who is in that case. That, that came from the national.deseretnews.com article. Also, uh, a rise in out-of-wedlock births uh, is taking place. And for those of you who know Charles Krauthammer, he said that it is, it is uh, what was the word that he used? Outrageous? He used the word that it is outrageous how the out-of-birth, uh, out-of-wedlock births are just accelerating in our country. You know, they're, they're just taken off. And that bodes badly uh, in the future for children because children that are raised without two parents in a secure household, they end up having a lot more problems than the kids that have both a mother and father that are there. So you see the rise of um, the sin that is out there and the love of many will grow cold and the wickedness just keeps on going up. Then thirdly, there is an alliance of particular nations that we have to keep an eye out for that is are talked about in Ezekiel chapter 38. I'd like you to turn there. If you have your Bible and you have a pen, 
you can write, if you choose to do so, you can write next to the countries that are listed by Ezekiel, and I will give you the modern-day countries that those apply to. And you can back it up and say, well, is Pastor Bill correct? Is he not correct here? And you can do the research yourself. So in Ezekiel chapter 38, beginning in verse 1, it says here, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Gog in the land of Magog. The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal prophesy against him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. He goes on to say, I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaw, and bring you out with your whole country or your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Now, here's the list. He says, these countries will accompany Gog and Magog. And, of course, uh, Magog is the land, and Gog its prince. So, if it was today, who would be the prince of Magog? Putin. Putin would be the prince of Magog. Okay? Magog is Russia, the old Soviet socialist republic. The first one that is listed here is Persia. Of course, we know that as Iran. Then there is Kush, which is Sudan, and Put, which is Libya. Now, Libya and Sudan. Libya is to the west of Egypt, and Sudan is to the south of Egypt. They are on the borders. Now, Egypt Apparently, they're not a big player in this, but they will also go up from the south as Russia comes down from the north. As God says, he will put hooks in your jaw and bring you out with your whole army. So there's going to be something that is going to force or compel greatly the Russian army to come down. Now, it may not be called Russia uh, when this happens. We don't know, but that's who's aligned here. So you have Persia, Kush, and Put, which is Iran. Sudan and Libya will be with them all with shields and helmets also Gomer which is Turkey with all of its troops and Beth Togarma which is Armenia or the area of Asia there Asia Minor from the far north with all of its troops the many nations with you now for a second here you have to get this in your mind if you have a map in your Bible you should probably look at it but it starts with Russia. Now, if you go north of Jerusalem, you will almost directly north, you will run into Moscow. And you have the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea there. Now, what Putin recently did a few years ago is he came down between the Caspian and the Black Sea and he invaded Georgia and the Crimea Peninsula that's there. And he took it over because of the gas reserves there. And he occupies it now and he considers it part of his property. If you go south of that, you have Armenia. And just to the uh, east of that, you have Azerbaijan. Now, those used to be part of the Soviet Union. And you have the Kazakhstan and uh, Azerbaijan and uh, the other stands that are up there. They're on the other side. I think it's the... uh, Let's see, you have the Caspian and the Black Sea. I think it's on the other side of the Caspian Sea. I'd have to look at it. I'm getting the two confused right now. But all of those satellite countries were part of the Soviet Union. And now they are no longer part of that. But he wants to reinvigorate the Soviet Union. And so all he has to do is come down. So he has taken Georgia 
All he has to do is take Armenia. That butts up against Turkey, which is going to be part of the nations that come down and attack Israel. If you keep on going south, you have Syria. Right next to Syria is Iraq. And Iraq used to be part of Iran. And so if you consider them in a biblical sense, one country, Iraq and Iran, they're the ones that butt up against Syria and Lebanon, and that goes right into Israel. And so if you have them coming from the north and coming from the south, I think that was similar in the um, Six-Day War. Jordan came from the east, and you had Syria and Lebanon from the north, and you had Egypt from the south, and Israel wiped them out. Actually, was it the Battle of Yom Kippur? I'm getting the two confused right now. But anyhow, all those nations were surrounding Israel. They came down to attack and just wipe them out, and they were unable to. And according to the prophecy that's listed here, God is going to destroy, and there's only going to be 20% left of the Russians when they come down, or of Magog. And so that is in our future when that takes place. Now, when that takes place exactly... Some people say it's Armageddon. Some people say, well, it may be before that. But what we want to be looking for is this alliance to take place. We want to see Russia become friends with Iran. Are Russia and Iran friends? Yeah. Russia is helping them build their nuclear facilities. And they're going to build more. They're giving them the technology in order to do that. Now, who just got on board with the Iranians? We did. We just got on board with the Iranians. So we're assisting the Iranians in building up their nuclear arsenal, and they're going to have weapons of mass destruction. It is just going to take place. And then what has happened to Libya? Is Libya better off today than they were under Muammar Gaddafi? The answer is no, they are not. There is unrest. Remember Benghazi and Clinton and all of that? It is It is taken over there are radical muslims who are there sudan the same thing has happened there there are radical muslims uh i think boko haram is uh, a little bit lower in africa but there are the radical muslims that are taking place over there and up in syria right now uh and the um what's his name uh asher bashad uh basad asad ash I forget it the last name is asad okay he is the one that's battling the other forces there are sunni forces that we are training and russia is coming in and destroying those guys and then you have uh assad coming and he's fighting against them and russia is bombing our forces that we are training but there's no one good in that country at all and so it is ripe for iran just to plow over along with um isis to just get in there and take over everything hezbollah's over it's just a mess I'm going to tell you a side note, little story. I know this girl who travels the world. She's a, a friend of my daughter. And she was just over at our house, and she was telling us what she did. She goes to all these countries. She is an uh, archaeologist. And she was doing a bunch of digs over in Egypt. And one time she was over there, and this guy uh, wanted to come and forcibly take her as his wife and he was bringing goats and everything else and they said get out you need to get out of here right now now she's a blonde but she dyed her hair uh, dark to kind of fit in over there well she goes to all these different countries well she was recently in lebanon she went to lebanon and she decided she was going to get in a bus and she had the full burqa on where all you could see were her eyeballs right where her eyeballs are not brown 
With blonde hair, they're like a greenish blue. And a girl sits next to her, draped in the same thing, fully dressed. And she can tell everybody on the bus is talking about her. She doesn't speak the language. She gets a few words down. But the girl sitting next to her says, what are you doing here? And so she looks at she goes, don't look at me. Just keep on looking forward. What are you doing here? And she ends up, uh, to make a long story short, there's a couple of incidents that took place and the bus driver's looking at her and they're kind of looking at each other. The men are looking at each other in the bus going, yeah, 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 kind of like that. And it's not going well for her. She just wanted to go see an archaeological site. And then they get to a, um, um, a stop. Uh, military stop pulls up and the soldiers get on the bus and say you get off the bus and she goes i'm not getting off the bus and they go get off the bus and she goes i'm not getting off the bus and she was able to stay on the bus and then she gets on a little farther and it just gets weird the bus driver's getting weird and a couple of guys behind the bus driver's getting weird she goes just let me off so she gets off in the middle of nowhere and she is comes to this house and this guy happens to be a little bit nicer and gives her a ride to this area she wants to go. Well, all of a sudden there's battle. There's Hezbollah that's there and they're carrying guns. I'm, I told her she was stupid for doing this. But anyhow, she, she gets into this place. Hezbollah pulls up, grabs her uh, covering, pulls it off. It says, what are you doing here? And so one guy is speaking English, broken English, and everybody else, they're talking to, like, we need to take her. She's going to be ours. And what they would do is rape her and kill her. All of them would gang rape her, and then they would kill her after that. And that's what Hezbollah, and that's what ISIS does. Uh, and so she's sitting there arguing with them. No. And this one guy interceded for her, said, no, the U.S. Embassy knows where she is. And they keep on asking her, what are you doing here? She almost got gang raped and killed. And what happened was somebody ended up, interceding for her she got a ride back and they said whatever you do don't get off the vehicle no matter who tells you to get off do not get off and get out of here and so she got out of there with her life and that's what's going on in the middle east right now it is just mayhem over there complete mayhem and god says these countries are all going to come together and they are just going to hammer down hard on israel and they are storing armaments you know in some of these countries they have a plan and they've tried to do it several times before and it hasn't worked out hezbollah to the north hamas to the south and in the gaza strip and it's just a matter of time and so when these countries all align when you see them making these peace treaties together and they become friends that's when you know it's right at the door. This, this thing is coming to fruition. Going on to the next one here. Technologies that will lead to the implementation of the mark of the beast. <clears throat> okay, first, the mark of the beast is talked about in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, where the Antichrist, he forces everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Revelation 14.11 says, There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. Revelation chapter 16 verse 2 says, The first angel went out and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Revelation 19.20 says, But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So this mark of the beast, it's going to be a marker 
for those who take it, that torment is going to come to them. They are immediately disqualified from ever being saved. That is it. It is the end of the road for these guys during the tribulation period. And they will be judged and they will be cast in the lake of fire, never to have a chance at eternal life again. So this mark of the beast, what is it? You cannot buy or sell unless you have it. Right now, you cannot buy or sell unless you have money or a credit card or a phone. Now, with this phone, have you guys heard about the controversy right now that is brewing with the FBI and the smartphone? Yeah, the iPhone. The FBI, now, I don't know if you guys know what's going on specifically with that. The FBI did not go to Apple and say, will you decrypt this one phone? What they did was, we want the key to all phones. That's what they're asking for, but it's not being reported that way. They didn't give the phone to Apple and say, let your engineers just decipher what's on here. And they haven't even written the code for breaking into it. You have two systems in there. You have one system, the four-digit code with a new operating system. You can go up to six digits. And if you put in the wrong code the first three times, it gives you a minute. You have to wait a minute. If you go... Uh, again, a fourth time, I think it goes to five minutes and it works itself up to an hour. If you do it 10 times, the phone erases itself and everything has to be reloaded on it again from the iCloud. So you have the first code, which is four digits, which is encrypted and it cannot be broken. They, it's, um, what do they call the encryption? They, they call it something. Anyhow, that cannot be broken, and Apple doesn't have the code to break that. That's why it's encrypted. Well, once you get in there, then you have to encrypt, like, for instance, what's on the iCloud. And you can't do that, and, but that's what the FBI is asking for. In essence, what you're going to be doing, if this is allowed, is you are granting the FBI access to every iPhone and every operating system throughout the entire world. Do you think that would be abused? <laughs> There is no question. Do you think they want that kind of power? The answer is, answer is absolutely yes, because they're not asking for the one phone. They want the keys. They want to get in there. It's easier to do on the Android system, but the iPhone is encrypted, and that's one of their selling points. Like, for instance, if you text and you have a blue bubble, that blue bu bubble is encrypted, and the only one, both front and back end, that can read that encrypted message is you and the one you're sending it to, the other iPhone. If it's a green bubble, it's not encrypted, and people can see that. But if it's a blue bubble when you're texting, then that's encrypted. And so they make this as a selling point for their phones. They want the information. They want control over the financial system. They just wrote Dodd-Frank, and that gives them power, incredible power over the financial system throughout the entire world. On your own uh, IRS forms, you have to put down every single bank account that you have, every financial institution that you do business with, anybody that paid you anything. You write it out for them. You give them this information. They have your birth date. They have your social security number. They know where you are. There's a facial recognition technology they can track you down wherever you are especially on an android phone it still pings if your location services are turned off and they know where you are because of the pinging that takes place between three different points on these cell towers they know where you are they know what you're doing on top of that you you guys who are in the uh, bible study when i showed that one uh clip of that drone that is able to take real-time video at 40,000 feet, and they've 
put over 300 little uh, phone cameras in these um, uh, drones that are up there, and it can take real-time video, and it can be stored of every single person, every single vehicle, even birds that fly through the air. The definition is as high as you can possibly get it, and they can read license plates, and they can use facial recognition technology from 40,000 feet, and they can tell where you are. Now, just put this all together. If you are a communist or a totalitarian ruler, would you want access to all of this? Yes, you would. There was an article that recently came out about the smart TVs that they have the ability now. Hackers can get in through your microphones and through your camera that's on your smart TV. If you go to my house, you will see a little sticky note over the camera on the smart TV. I do the same thing on my computer that has a little camera right there. And if I'm sitting at my desk, I take this and I cover it with... Now, I'm not paranoid. I'm not, they're listening to me. You know, I'm not doing that. But they have the ability. They know everything about all of us if they want to know it. Except the encryption, apparently. And they're going after that. That's what they want. So these are the things that are out there. Now, with that, tracking you, uh, this is... January 29th, 2016. Company developing tech tattoos so people can track their medical financial info. Info, New York, CBS New York. Could we soon be carrying all of our medical and financial information on a tattoo? Software company Chaotic Moon has developed a tech tattoo. Tattoo. Tech tattoo that gets embedded into a person's arm and can be tracked or can track a person's financial and medical information. Eric Schneider, the company's hardware creative technologist, explained the tattoo can monitor if a person is about to get sick. Rather than going to the doctor once a year for your physical, this tech tattoo can be something you put on your body once a year, and it monitors everything that they would do in the physical, and it sends that to your doctor, and if there's an issue, they can call you. So the tech tattoos can really tie in everything into one package. It can look as early, or excuse me, it can look at early signs of fever, your vital signs, heart rate, everything it needs to look at to notify you that you're getting sick or your child is getting sick. The tattoo will transmit this information wirelessly to a mobile app or computer being monitored by the health professionals. Snyder also said that people would be able to carry their financial info through the tattoo. And it just, it goes on. So they have this tattoo. You guys have seen that thing in Sweden where they put the chip underneath the guy's arm and he just goes up to the door and it unlocks the door. It gives him full access to the company and the employees are getting that. Have you seen that? That is also out there on the internet. And uh, new technologies give governmental Government ample means to track study finds. And this is um, David E. Sanger, January 31st, 2016. For more than two years, the FBI and intelligence agencies have warned that encrypted communications are creating a going dark crisis that will keep them from tracking terrorists and kidnappers. This is about the iPhone. Now, a study in which current and former intelligence officials participated concludes that the warning is wildly overblown and that a raft of new technologies like television sets with microphones and web-connected cars are creating ample opportunities. Oh, it gets better. 
Just listen to this. The study argues that the phrase ignores the flood of new technologies being packed with sensors and wireless connectivity that are expected to become the subject of court orders and subpoenas. The products ranging from toasters to bed sheets, light bulbs, cameras, toothbrushes, door locks, cars, watches, and other wearables will give the government increasing opportunity to track suspects and in many cases reconstruct communications and meetings. So everything that is wireless, like our thermostats back there, I could have got Bluetooth thermostats where I could have sat here if you guys were cold and I could have just put it right into the phone and it would have changed that. This is where we, this is what we know exists. This isn't what we don't know exists. So how close is a totalitarian government to be able to implement everything they want to and following all your transactions, make sure you do everything your way and it's going to be sold as it'll be so convenient. All those passwords that you have, you don't need it. I went to the bank today, San Diego County Credit Union, and you know how they get into their computers? They just, they put their fingerprint down and it reads their fingerprint. Some uh, places are using the iris technology to do that. You know, so it, it's just everywhere. And this is what we're looking for because this mark is going to give the ability to the Antichrist to give you the authority to buy or to sell. And if you don't have it, you're outside of the system and you are going to be condemned by the Antichrist for it. If you get it, you will be condemned by God. If you don't get it, you will probably be killed. If you do get it, you will die and you will be judged. You will die the second death. It is no win during the tribulation period. So this is what we're looking for. You just keep an eye out for those technologies that want to monitor you because it will be incorporated into that tattoo or into your light fixtures or whatever it might be. Do you guys know your thermostats? They did this a few years ago. SDG&E wanted you to have smart thermostats so they could control your heat and air. And if you bought into the system, they wanted us to do that here. I said, no, you're not going to do that. What if we're meeting on a Sunday night and it happens to be 102 outside and you decide, well, we're going to cut your power. You know, I'm not going to give them that kind of power. Of course, in the future, we may not have a choice. Going on. Birth pangs. Nation will rise against nation and king. Yes. <laughs> we know who you are. <laughs> Eric, I have a question. At Costco, have they implemented the um, inventory by RFID yet, or do you still manually count? Are they talking about the technology that will be able to do that in the future? They have technology now because every product that is sold has to have an RFID which is a radio frequency identification device in it. They cut down uh, theft from hotels by putting them into uh, towels so that if you steal a towel, you will be charged if you take it. 
and they have it in the bed sheets because believe it or not, people steal the sheets, they steal the towels, they steal all that stuff. So if you walk off the property, they immediately know that you've walked off the property with their linens and they, and it's sewn in the seams and they will charge you for it. And you didn't know that's a couple of years old, by the way. Now, birth pangs, nation against nation. Yes. Oh, I did. I did miss that. <laughs> yeah, five is uh, Revelation chapter six, verse, I think it's verse six. Then I heard what sounded like a voice and four leaving creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages and a third quart, or three quarts of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. What this says here, a quart of wheat for a day's wages, that's equivalent to a loaf of bread. So it is going to cost you a complete day's wages for a loaf of bread, whether or not the wage goes down or the commodity goes up. I suspect that both would take place. And this is what we have to look forward to. In order for that to happen in the area of the Mediterranean, and this is the context we're dealing with, uh, there has to be some type of economic collapse. I have an app on my phone that, that tracks all of the stock markets around the world. And you can see how each one is doing in real time on these apps. And if one stock market goes, they're going to go like dominoes. If we go as the stock market, the rest are going for sure uh, because they're all pretty much based on the wealth of the United States. But if you have several going at once, there's going to be an economic worldwide collapse. A lot of the aggressive funds that people invest in they're normally uh, held on to by those who are younger. Those who are older hold on to more stable domestic funds. And so if the international world just goes down, for instance, I'm going to give you an example. Today, uh, there's this uh, stock symbol, ABX. ABX opened at above its close yesterday $925 uh, on this one particular account. It went from zero to 925 at the open on this one particular account. It ended the day below $74, minus $74. So it dropped $1,000 in one day. And that was all based on some articles that were written about that particular stock. That can happen in one single day across a multitude of stocks where they just drop that quickly. And all the precious metals, if you watch them right now, most of them are going up. And what are the banks doing? The banks are going down. And what is oil doing? Oil is going down. You know, so you have to watch this stuff. And, and it can happen just like that. And Saudi Arabia just announced today that they're not cutting oil production. And neither is Iran. And so prices are going to continue to drop. And if oil prices continue to drop, the oil industry will start to go under in several sectors. And it will take a long time for it to come back up. Energy is the life's blood of the economy around the world. And so you, if you pay attention to these things, you're going, wow, how close is the economic collapse where something is going to cost you a day's wages? All that has to happen is a wrench to be thrown in there. And the, the, this one particular gold stock, it is out there as being bearish right now on a scale of 1 to 10, 2.7 being bearish. They're saying, ah, bearish. Yeah, just either hold it or sell it. Don't even buy. But this one just, 
it set a record almost uh, yesterday and the day before on the stock market. So we are in for potentially a worldwide economic collapse. How much in debt are we? $19 trillion. Will we ever be able to pay it back? No, we will not. Do you think it's going to continue to increase? Depends on who becomes president, huh? What do you think will happen to the stock market if Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders gets in? What happened when Obama got in? It went down to 6,000. From what, 12, 13, or 14, something like that? Yeah, it just, it tanked. It went down. People lost 40%. So it just depends on the politics. And who sets up the leaders in each country? God does. And so if God wants this to happen, just the right leader at the right time. You know, I'm hoping for the best out of this, but we're not going to get the Messiah. I can tell you that. And it could be rough ahead. So worldwide economic collapse can take place. And I do have, oh, I got to read you this. The IMF, internationalmonetaryfund.org. <laughs> I'm going to read you two paragraphs. And I want you to see if you can catch this. Global growth. This is in 2016. Global growth currently estimated at 3.1% in 2015 is projected at 3.4% in 2016 and 3.6% in 2017. The pickup in global activity is projected to be more gradual than in October 2015. World Economic Outlook, WEO especially, in emerging markets and developing economies. What's the forecast? It's optimistic. Right? They're saying, oh, you know, we're expecting 3.6%, maybe, you know, just... Here's their last paragraph. Risk to the global outlook remain tilted to the downside and relate to ongoing adjustments in global economy. A generalized slowdown is emerging markets, economies, China's rebalancing... You catch that word? China's rebalancing... China is in a huge slump right now, and it's going down. Lower commodity prices means they don't get as much for their corn and soybeans and all that. And the gradual exit, now I want you to listen to this. The gradual exit from extraordinarily accommodative monetary conditions in the United States. Do you know what that said? It said... The, uh, the QE3, QE1, 2, and 3, where they're just pumping money into the stock market, they said about it, the gradual exit of extraordinarily accommodative monetary conditions in the United States means they're going to pull out of doing that. Once they pull out that QE3, quantitative easing, the stock market's going to tumble. It is just going to go down. That's the only thing holding it up. If these key challenges are not successfully managed, global growth could be derailed. So the first paragraph was, ah, it's good. The last paragraph was, if this isn't handled right, it's going down the tubes, is what they're saying. And this is 2016. So it gets better. Birth pangs, earthquakes in various places. Now, I talked to you... Yeah. Hold on, I got to see where I'm going to go with this. We have to be careful about overestimating the effects on the earth uh, because God said there's going to be famines and earthquakes in various places, right? 
and we have El Nino, and that's just common. We go through these cycles. But with earthquakes, you know, I, I found these two conflicting reports, both from the USGS, the United States Geological Service. I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to summarize what was said. On one hand, they said in this article, earthquakes are not increasing in frequency and intensity. You read somewhere else on the USGS, and they say, not only are they increasing in frequency, but they're increasing in intensity, and volcanoes are just like, why are so many volcanoes going off? And so on USGS's own website, they have conflicting reports, depending on the politic of the day. What is going on? What is happening? Uh, and you have to be able to interpret what is being said. And so to, just to give you an idea uh, what's going on here, according to long-term records since about 1900, we expect about 16 major earthquakes in any given year, which includes 15 earthquakes in the magnitude of 7 range and one earthquake magnitude 8 or greater. In the past 38 years, from 73 to 2011, our records show that we have exceeded the long-term average number of major earthquakes only eight times in 1976. The year with the largest total was 2010, 24 earthquakes greater than or equal to the magnitude of 7.0. Now, I know I'm running on here. They were only expecting 16. Now they have 24. In other words, the number is going up. In other years, the total was well below the 16 per year expected basis long-term average. And it, it just goes on. So they have different uh, records on their own website as to what's taking place. I don't know which one to believe. Uh, if you actually did the research yourself, you could come to a conclusion on that. But based on their own records there, they say they're increasing in the volcanism. They want to keep an eye on that, too, because that's going up. The last one here, Israel hated by all nations. I already read it to you in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 6. Even back then, Babylonian captivity, they were impugned. They were maligned. They were made fun of, the Israelites. That has been happening over and over and over I looked up the UN and the resolutions against the nation of Israel uh, compared to the resolutions against Palestine. Now, which group do you think has been more abusive and more murderous? Israel or the Palestinians? By far, they have been. Uh, just recently, they had six resolutions passed against Israel for the retaliatory attacks against the Palestinians and one against the Palestinians even though they're the ones that are carrying out the terrorist acts. So the UN is against Israel. And if you go back, you can see all the resolutions that have been passed by the UN since its inception against the nation of Israel. And they're quite numerous. But when it comes to the Palestinians and what they've been doing, there's just a few that have been passed against them. And so the, the UN is not an organization to be trusted. It says here in this... Um, if America knew org U.S. resolutions targeting Israel and the Palestinians, there's a whole article about that. Now, closing it up. Oh, actually, the statistic I gave you was wrong. It is Israel is targeted at least. Yeah, I think this is since their inception. Israel has been targeted by the U.N. at least 77 times in resolutions and the Palestinians are the target of one. So 77 to one 
And I've been to Israel. I know what it's like over there. I've also been to Jordan and on the border of Egypt over there. And the countries are completely different in how they handle things. And you actually fear a little bit going to uh, these other countries, just like I gave you an example of this girl that we know. Now, what are we supposed to do about all of this? You know, you hear this stuff and you can get all worked up. You go, the world's coming to an end. All of this is going, sell everything, let's Go to Cuyamaca, live in a cave up there and get guns, you know. And you don't want to do that. The Lord's going to come back for us. We're supposed to occupy. We're not supposed to be worried about anything. When you see something that looks a little disheartening, like the world is just going to hell in a handbasket, you go, hey, Lord talked about it. We're just going to live the way we're supposed to. Do what we can. Hardship could be coming our way. But if it does, it does. This life is going to be over, like quick. It's going to pass by. Now with that, Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36 says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. And he's talking about the day of the Lord. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So God gives us three directives, three things to avoid that I just read to you in verse 34. The first one is avoid indulging in the flesh and its desires. If you look at the world, all you have to do is watch the Super Bowl. How many people do you think were drunk inside the Super Bowl. Not all, all of them. I don't want to imp- impugn all of them. But how, how much beer do you think was sold that day? Is, is it safe to say hundreds of thousands of gallons of beer were consumed in the United States? That Yes. And if you add to that, how much marijuana was consumed that day? Probably thousands of kilos. You know, you, you just don't know. And people are giving themselves over to indulgence. How many drinking games do you think there were that day? You know, for how many touchdowns and all of that and the scores. I mean, and the sexual morality. How many people are Mardi Mardi Gras just passed? You know, that's a time where you just kind of let loose, right? How big is it becoming around the world? It's becoming huge around the world where the profligate living, it's the way to go. And God says, avoid indulging in the flesh and its desires. Avoid being drunk and avoid worrying. Those are the three exhortations. Pardon me? Who is? Were they? That's that's the way they were doing it, huh? Yeah, so that's what God tells us to do. He just gives us instruction. He goes, as you see the day approaching, do these three things. Now, with that, you know, you're supposed to be a good disciple. Everybody is. And with that, you're supposed to tell everybody else. This is what's coming. Do you not recognize it? And most people are completely oblivious. With the technology, they just say, cool, what's the new gadget? You know, uh, the stock market app that I have, they have a watch, too, that can give you that information on your watch. I mean, it's just, it's all out there. And it's just a bunch of toys that we have. And it's just leading to a bear trap. It is going to clasp hard on the people that are here. So do we have any questions before we go on? Yes.
if the Holy Spirit is working on them, they know something is not right. But the ways of the world, I think they could care less about what's going on. Everything, I mean, the, the generation today, any kid can get pot. Any kid can. Everybody's growing it. Uh, and it's ruining, especially the teenagers, the adolescents, it's ruining their minds. There's scientific proof on that. And just the, the morality which is out there, the hooking up culture, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's Netflix and chill. It's, it's called Netflix and chill. It is. Well, any other comments or questions about, uh, yes. I have a sick and twisted view on that. If if I knew of a company that was developing the technology and they were in the stock market, I'd probably buy the stock. Ask me if I'd take the mark. I wouldn't take the mark. But that that is going to be the wave of the future. That is that is where this is going. Yeah, and and so to, if the Lord wants to make this happen, I want to encourage what the Lord is doing. Some people might say, "No, you're." You're helping the Antichrist to come. Do you think I can speed up the day the Antichrist arrives? I can't do that. You know, so I'm just going to help that technology right along. You know, just, okay, let's just get it all going. And are they going to come after me? Well, if they do, what can you take? My life? Okay. You know, that means I get to go to heaven. That's the way it works. And so will we have to take the mark? I don't think so. But the technology that is out, anybody who wants to put something under my skin to um, monitor me, they don't need it. They, they can know where I am all the time anyway. Yeah. And, and I do know this too. There are millions of people and they're not focusing on me unless I give them a reason. And, unless I give them a reason to do so. Okay. We're going to close it out. We're one minute past. Let's pray. Father, we... Uh, Thank you for your word that you have told us to be watchful and to pay attention uh, about what's going on, but help us not to squander this information. Help us to put it to use. Help us to communicate it to others, hopefully leading them to you and the salvation that you offer. We thank you for your grace and how you tell us what is going to take place in the future. Help us to be forever aware of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thank you for coming.